back themselves after our guys put a beat down on them earlier this year. And Golden State. Right to the hole. He ties the game at 98. has got 20 to lead the way for the Spurs. Got to make him make that chop at the outside. Welcome to Views from the Clutch. I go by the name of Smart Alex. I'm here with my brother from another. C. Grant. And we are back with another edition of Views from the Clutch. As always, I'd like to take a moment out to say thank you to our supporters, listeners, and subscribers. If you'd like to join us, you can do so by following us on any of the podcasting platforms we're hosted on. You can email us directly at viewsfromtheclutch at gmail.com. Tag us on social media at Views from the Clutch on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. Coming soon to YouTube. Yeah, I gotta hurry up and put them cameras up. Um, I'll probably do it the week after February six because that's when my company is leaving. So then I could put the cameras up and not have anybody feel uncomfortable. Anyway, back at it. Yes, um, sir. Because I don't have my CPU up, my CPU screen up and loaded. Um, what's currently going on in the NBA? Um, ladies and gentlemen, so- as we record this episode, there are some live games in place. I selected this night to record because C. Grant tends to be not himself when the Knicks are playing. So hopefully we get that. <laughs> well, are I the mean, Knicks playing? No, they're, they're not. Okay. Well, you know, okay. They, they're okay. coming off a win, unlike some other teams that are coming off losses. Oh, we're going to discuss that. We're going to discuss that. We're going to discuss that. Mm-hmm. I love how you like doing that, but you know. No, I just, I'm just, you know, just, just to be clear, because, you know, there's always a lot of Knicks shade, you know, but. From who? I'm just saying, it's, it's, it tends to okay, be... Okay, from who? From who? Who, so, who has the Nick Shade? Because you don't even get Nick Shade from your co-host. Your co-host got to deal with you slandering his team, but I don't see nah, team in the you, you, Okay, you don't... You, you're not as bad with the Knicks as, as sometimes... Bad. Yeah, because sometimes when we're not necessarily on air, you definitely have a couple of choice words for the Knicks. But I don't have choice words for the Knicks. I have choice words for your takes on the Knicks and this whole they send a few people to the All-Star game crap you've been on lately. Yo, not lately. Listen, when I said that, they had won 12 out of the last, like, 16 games at that time. Now, now, since we are a lot more... Well, also, yeah, well, again, when you see, when you go, when you have... Remember, the Knicks were in the fifth spot when I said that. Oh, so, Chevy Ryder High. Well, again, now they're what in the eighth spot or the seventh spot mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. with that being said, you can't. There's no way the you can get. Be talking about two All Stars. Not it's unless not, that AC. Not unless that AC had Kevin Durant and, and Kyrie well, Irving. Well, and again, that's what I'm saying. It, it would have to be one of them would Mega have star. to be a fan favorite. You know, if not. So, so speaking of that, way. speaking of that, All Star Game, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving. It appears mm-hmm. as if Kevin Durant, in a recent interview, said he's targeting trying to play in this All Star Game. Do you think that he'll be able to make it? 
I would. This is I the would, third incidence of him spraining his MCL. So I think yeah, he knows I'm his body better than anybody. Uh, but no, I would not. Excuse me. If I'm management, I'm trying to keep him all star break, depending on how he how he feels. Like if he's if he's ready to play in the regular season, you know, like let's say, you know, for like a couple of games. I would consider, I would I would still want to keep him out of the All Star game, but if he's just actually making his debut at the All Star game, I don't I don't feel like it, it would be I feel like it would be too much for him because again when you playing at the All Star game, there's a lot more I mean, stuff maybe going he just on. Shows up at the All Star game and you know does a couple layups, well, plays like three minutes or something like that. I, I, mean, I would just think that would be that would be fan service. And lately, with what's been going on in the NBA, I can understand maybe wanting to be on like a fan service vibe. Shout out to mm. Jimmy Butler. I don't know if you heard about what Jimmy Butler did last yeah. night in a game that he couldn't attend because he was sick. A fan from I think like Argentina. Yep, something like that. I did see. I did see that was un, was was you know let down that Jimmy Butler was unable to attend. Somehow, word got back to Jimmy while he was unable to attend the game. He heard of this fan. And he sent, you know, basically uh, um, an apology package to this fan. I think he got an autographed jersey and a ball and quite a few other things. He basically well, he actually he actually met with the family the same night. How did he meet? No, not no, not the same. No, 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 not the same night. If I'm not mistaken, the story when I saw he met with them today. He met with them today, and he took them backstage. He 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 took them backstage. I mean, I mean, behind it, he took him to the locker room, gave the kid in the family locker room. He actually uh, did a couple of um, pictures at half court with the family. Like he did, he he did a lot. Which yes, yeah, so on TMZ Sports, he uh, he met with the family in the arena. There's a photo. Yeah, this was posted 10:44 a.m. today. So he came to the arena today and spent some quality time with with Jimmy Butler. And it's on Instagram. So, yeah, man, big time shout out to he, – he met with the whole entire family. Mm-hmm. You know what? I always, you know, have made jokes of Jimmy Butler being a psychopath, and I won't change that because I think that that's part of what makes him such a great basketball player. But he's also proven to have a connection with, with humans and be as humble as some of these athletes could be. And it, it sets a great example. So shout out to Jimmy Butler. I'm glad that we were able to randomly bring that up and the, the story turned out to be so, you know, positive. Um, mm-hmm. back to, and it's funny that we're talking about two opposite sides of takes on the All-Star game because Jimmy Butler is not even a fan of playing in the All-Star game, whereas Kevin Durant is kind of like making it his business to attend. Um, you did mention the Knicks and the Knicks are currently sitting at the, in the seventh spot. They're two you know a game and a half above the hawks which always mm-hmm. have to feel good for for knicks fans anytime y'all doing better than the hawks that that has to be you know like a um mm-hmm. a feather in the cap because that rivalry is i think fuel for you know there's a like a lot of people don't really realize it but there's issues between the cities new york and atlanta already anyway there's a there's mm. an energy about, you know, the whole hip hop started in the Mecca and, you know, the South took over and Atlanta is kind of like the capital. So 
there's an energy mm-hmm. in those two cities when it comes to them clashing. So them clashing on the basketball court, both being in the Eastern Conference and both being, you know, two teams trying to climb the ladder, if you will, I, I think it I think it makes for a dope energy. Um but let's go ahead and get into my boys since you brought them up and speak to them. No, we don't that. have to. We don't have to. Yeah, we we don't we're have going to. to. We're going to. We're going we to really don't have LeBron to. James has officially scored forty points on every team in the NBA as of last night, putting forty something on the Clippers in a forty six blowout loss. Yeah. Wait, so, shout wait, out LeBron. wait, wait, he did he did he scored forty six against no, no, no. It was LeBron a- James. LeBron James has scored forty points against every team in the NBA. And up until mm-hmm. last night, the Clippers were the only team he hadn't done it to. That's right. And we, we briefly talked about that a couple of weeks ago where it was like we'll be surprised if LeBron would do that against the Clippers, like, depending on, you know, how much the- – How he was guarded and who yes. was in court with him. Exactly. So and LeBron told us both that, you know, SMD, I'm out here. Nine nah, threes, he, which is a career He's, he's like, listen, man, I got I, – I got to do something, man. He, he's, he has a lot that he has to do, and I think he really wants to – um. He wants to get every possible record, NBA record he can get or become. He wants to be one of the the leaders, if not top five, worst case scenario, top ten in every. So he's he's officially LeChase James. That's what you're saying. I mean, but he, he's trying to he's trying to have so much going on in the record book that it's like y'all got to print a new record book before y'all can get rid of him. That's that's what you're saying. No, I mean I wouldn't go that far. I mean I think that's a little too much, but. I think I think it just shows to the, I mean, I'll be honest, to the greatness of how great he is, but also how, how much fortunate, for, well, not just that, how healthy he stayed. Because, again, there are a lot of durability. players, the durability uh, is big, big because there's a lot of players who play, but they got major injuries. And then mm-hmm. you oh, and you always talk about man. What if this guy this didn't get injured? What was his, what was his career, his career pan out to be? Mm-hmm. Where it's like LeBron totally changed because of you know. of an injury. And then even as a fan of these players, you're hoping that they'll be able to resemble something. But a lot of times injuries, especially especially basketball injuries, when you talk about the lower extremities, mm-hmm. they take out so much from a player that their player is. A shell of themselves because they now have to drastically shift their game to become to a, compensate for what for they the, no longer have. Exactly. So, well, a, Braun, a very good example of that is um, Paul George. Yeah. But um, yeah. Back to LeBron. So him, him giving you know his all in this time, while Anthony Davis, you know, Mister Shreeclose is out, mm-hmm. is is definitely commendable but it's also expected so that's a part of the reason why I'm not really like crazy about because I told you you know at the beginning of the season that this was a season where the most positive thing to come of it was going to be LeBron James clipping Kareem you Mm -hmm. know everything Mm -hmm. else would be icing on the cake but the highlight of the season and the way the front office lined things up they pretty much made it so that this would be the highlight but they've now started to move assets. And the Lakers welcome Ruri Hachimura to the team as of, I think, today. I think today he's going to play. Um, I, I believe so. 
And Anthony Davis, street clothes is supposed to possibly play if he's feeling well. I think it's a game time decision. I don't know what time the game tips off. And I believe they're at San Antonio. Mm-hmm. No, San Antonio is, is visiting them. So it's a 10-30 game. Um, I don't know if I'll be awake to see that, but I am going to be interested when I wake up in the morning to check the highlights and see who actually played. Um, I would think mm-hmm. San Antonio with or without Ruri and um, Anthony Davis, I would still favor the Lakers to win. They are a better team than them regardless, but we shall see. Um I, I don't, I don't, you know, really know what to make of that trade. I, I, I do like Rui Hachimura. I feel like you, as a person who once lived in the area and got to watch the Wizards up close and personal, you could probably give our our, our listeners more of a referendum on what he brings to the table. So I'm gonna go ahead and allow you to speak to that. Uh, I think really with Rui, I think he was a fan favorite. He is. One of the uh, uh, he he's definitely played from Gonzaga. He kind of he kind of has that build where he could play power forward slash the three. Uh, but then I just I feel like his time in DC was mm, never really he never really I think blossomed to the player that they, they where he was a high draft pick. But I also think that uh, the Wizards made this trade really based on trying to figure out if they could re sign Kyle Kuzma. And yeah, know, this is definitely no a this is a definitely we're choosing Kuzma move. Yeah. If you if you allow Kuzma to walk after moving Rury, who is a lottery pick, to basically get back Kendrick Nunn, who's an expiring contract and three second round draft picks, then then, then why'd you pay Bradley Bill? You know? That's what it boils down to. Like these moves are all all connected in a sense as far as how Washington is concerned. But even with, but even going back to Rui, I feel like I feel like he just wasn't he you know what it was? He was a a big man, uh power forward, back to the basket college player. And as he got to the pros, he realized that that same back to the basket game was not gonna work. So he started making a transition of trying to be out on the perimeter, try to be a slasher every now and then do a back to the basket moves. But a lot of it was drives. But if you saw him sometimes, he wasn't as comfortable because again, it was almost like he was learning a whole new style of basketball. basketball. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And then he has to learn it at the highest level. So it's going to be some growing pains. And I, I feel like during his time with the Wizards, it was that. I mean, there's been some times where he's dropped 20 plus points a game and you're like, mm, okay, okay. If he can keep yeah, this maybe up, he maybe he figured it out. And then exactly. Next game he'll then, drop eight. Yeah, or then he'll be out injured, you know, or just just little things. Just not again, consistent and not consistent. But also, I think the Wizards, the Wizards have not drafted very well when they're trying to get a three man, and that's something that uh, that has been discussed in DC for a long time. When they had Kelly Oubre. They had Otto Porter, but they wanted they elected to want to pay Otto Porter, and most people felt like they gave away Kelly Oubre, and they should have kept Kelly Oubre over Otto Porter because Oubre was more of a slasher, and that's kind of what they needed. Um, but they stuck with 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 um, doing Otto Porter, and unfortunately, that didn't pan out for them. And Kelly Oubre went somewhere else, and they've still been trying to get that three man 
that they can have, and they have it. So that, that's why. And they, Kelly Oubre still even wasn't like mm-hmm. he wasn't the solution if they had kept him anyway. Like he wouldn't. No, nah, but he solution. was. But it was. But no, no, no. But it was at that time they paid. They paid. They did. Yeah. They paid um, Otto Porter a lot of money, and it was like, whoa, wait a minute, you paid the most money, and this is you could have kept Oubre, who would have been cheaper. You know, mm-hmm. it was like because you still you guys still didn't go anywhere with Otto Porter, and he didn't pan out. It was like, yeah. wait a minute, like golly, we just gave you we did a four year twenty million dollar deal, and you didn't pan out, and we're not winning. Could have kept the yeah, younger. I, I, again, every time I try to have some hope for the Wizards because they acquire players that I like, you know, and they have acquired players that I like but they've mm-hmm. wisely allowed those guys to go and play winning basketball for other franchises because I believe KCP was traded there and they moved him to Denver, and that's how Monte Morris is now on um, on the Wizards. On the Wizards. But you see KCP is playing winning basketball for um, so on and so forth with, with some of the other players that the Lakers moved there and other teams have moved there, like Kristaps Porzingis. Even with all of his issues, like I can stay I, – I can say – with confidence in myself, I don't know about you, but like we still want to see KP do well. And if KP were to figure it out in Washington, we'd be happy for him. But it appears oh, as yeah, if, yeah. it appears as if KP is just going to remain a starting level big man who once was a unicorn or or once had the promise of mm-hmm. a unicorn. But you know, we're about to see possibly what a real unicorn is when Wemby makes it to the league. But with all that being said, um, Rory is a 40% spot-up three-point shooter. He's 45% from the left corner. Those are all those type of numbers that Patrick Beverly likes to quote when he speaks on guys who really can't shoot. So, you know, you throw out numbers that sound good and give you the impression that a guy's going to be able to knock down open jumpers. Like we've said before and we'll say again, it's one thing to make jumpers in a gym it's another to make jumpers in the gym when LeBron passes you the ball. Mm-hmm. The lights are different. The energy is different. The crowd is different. The air is different. So we'll see. I mean, he is the first Japanese-born player to play for the Los Angeles Lakers. So he's already made a historical trend. Let's see what he can do with it. Um, well, let me I'm, ask you this. What, are you excited? Or are you kind of I'm excited. How are I'm you? excited because... This does for the roster what the Lakers weren't doing for the roster in the very beginning. It gives them positional balance. You didn't have a lot of forwards that were playing when, when, when the season started. You know, you have, and even now, the guys that are out, they're guards. So even with the guys that are out that are guards, the Lakers still have more guards than forwards playing currently up until mm. when they moved Kendrick Nunn, because you had Kendrick Nunn, Pat Bev, uh, Russell Westbrook, you got Schroeder, who you basically call a guard. Juan Toscano doesn't really get much playing time, and he's more of a guard than he is really a forward, but you could call him a forward. You, you see where I'm going with it? They didn't have a true definitive forward to go alongside playing with LeBron James, LeBron James is really the only real forward. Thomas Bryant in the center. Uh, oh, yeah, and then you yeah, got Austin absolutely. Reeves. 
You got Austin Reeves, who you would when you when you went to your versatile lineups. Austin Reeves, who's six five and is more of a two guard, you would have him playing the three, or you would have Lonnie Walker playing the three. So you were always dealing with undersized talent lineups that had to compensate for just naturally not being big. So you get mm-hmm. Rui out there; he's a certified six eight, six and a half, six nine. He will go out there and work hard. He will go out there and defend. He will go out there and hustle. He will. And again, a guy who's averaged 13 and four for his career, I can't imagine him showing up to LA and saying, yo, y'all need to give me the ball. We know that's not going to happen. So I'm pretty sure he's not going to have much of an issue fitting into the dynamic. It's really going to be about when the lights are on and those LA fans are doing what they do, are you going to be able to deliver? You went to Gonzaga. You didn't go to Duke. Mm-hmm. You didn't go to North Carolina. You didn't go to – now, mind you, that's not to do anything to dishearten or lower the stock of what Gonzaga is, but let's just be real. The stage is different. When you go to Gonzaga, which was arguably at the time and which may still be in that ranking of one of the best mid-major schools for basketball in the country, it's, it's a different light. And then you go play in Washington – in a city that's kind of like middling when it comes to how they treat basketball, you 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 got to go from wearing red, white, and blue in Gonzaga to wearing red, white, and blue in Washington and not really being the focus. You probably did more interviews since you got traded to the Lakers than you mm-hmm. did your entire career in the Wizards uniform. And I'm not saying that to be like mean. I'm just saying like, Again, the scope is different. The lights are different. The pressure is different. The expectation is different. You're now a guy who got traded to a team that's four games under 500. Everything they do from the point you get there going forward, now you get to see what it's like for Russ. Because Russ was the guy who they would dump the blame on. But now you're the new guy in town. You're supposed to help turn things around. They're going to have that energy for you. So you got to be ready to embrace it. Yeah, they are. You think they they think they if he struggles? Pep. Yeah, I don't think they're gonna. Most people are not even gonna know who Rory is. You know, because Rory doesn't say much. I mean, he's not he's not a talk much a talkative player. He doesn't really do a lot of interviews. So you're not gonna get a guy who brings any. There's no character to him. You know, Pat Bev different temperature and being in L.A. Like, listen. Okay. Now, okay. We'll see. Okay, let's let's do this. Pat Bev statistically is probably having the worst scoring season of the past six, seven years of his career. But mm-hmm. if you search on YouTube for Pat Beverly, you will find more Lakers content of Pat Beverly than of anything else he's done in his career. Available and easily searchable. Because that's just the Q rating of playing for a brand like the Lakers or the Knicks. That's what they do to you. Now everybody knows that Pat Bev has a podcast. You know he had a podcast? Exactly. That's the point. Of it. He's going, he's going, the microwave has officially hit 10. And the light is on. It's up to Ruri to see if he's either going to be a spoiled slice of pizza or he's going to be the best reheated rice you ever had. And that's really what it boils down to when you, when you come to a team like L.A., and speaking of it, look at their counterparts, the Clippers, and that ass whooping they put on the Lakers. They made 14 threes in the first half. 
We've been talking about the Clippers being under the radar and they're dangerous. Oh, they don't even have a point guard right now. Mm, they have mm, a healthy, mm. they have a healthy Kawhi Leonard for, you know, however many seconds that's going to be. And a healthy Paul George for, you know, however many seconds that's going to be. They're starting to round into form as guys are starting to come back. John Wall had mm-hmm. an adductor or, or abdomen thing. So he's on the men. Yeah. And then Luke Kennard, he's on the men. But pretty much everyone else on their roster is healthy. Um, Norman Powell might be or is probably one of the top contenders for six man of the year. They're currently sitting at uh, – what, what, what are the Clippers? They're, they're in, like, I think the fifth spot. I want to say that, but like, yeah, the fifth. They're, they're, they're fifth. They're a game behind New Orleans and a half a game in front of Dallas, which they actually play. Mm-hmm. And that's a Dallas. Mm-hmm. So, so you get the Clippers to somehow finagle themselves to like the third seed, or even in consideration for one of the. That's a problem. That's a problem, and we've said it. Nobody can count the Clippers out if they're healthy. Uh-uh. So, I mean, again, with the way that the injuries and, and this season is playing out in the West, it, it, it's, it's really wide open. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens when the smoke settles, especially post-All-Star game, because with the Lakers making that trade, they've kind of, like, put the lights on to the, you know, to the trade machine. So now the trade machine, the dust is off, and now we're about to start seeing seeing the dominoes fall into place. Like we spoke to when before the season started, there was going to be three seasons. We've already ended season one where we got to see the teams that have clearly said, you know what, is Wimby a bust? And that's Charlotte, Detroit, San Antonio, Houston. Those four mm-hmm. teams have elected to make a race, a race for, you know, the highest amount of lottery balls they can acquire. You got Orlando, who they're the most exciting team in the NBA because they got so much young talent and they can randomly win any any night. They just beat Boston. Mm-hmm. On on welcome back, Jonathan Isaac. Welcome back, young man. God is good. God is great. Because through his faith and diligence, he was able to return to the court. He left the court as a 22 year old man and returned as a 25 year old. Mm-mm-mm. That's crazy. And he managed to do what was, I think, like 10 with two main threes in a short amount of time. He, he, he I mean, you know, the first game is an adrenaline game. So I just want to say he looked good. And, and, they, and, and, and again, they recently beat Boston. Orlando's one, and I spoke to this, did I not? At the beginning of the season, I said, they're a team that, like, you're not going to want to play them because they're mm-hmm. going to have energy on nights where you don't have it. Yeah. And they're going to have guys that you can't match up with because they just got a weird roster. So any one of those seven guards they throw out there, now Markel Fultz is healthy. And he's a steady-handed point guard. Mm-hmm. So it's not like they're out there just running plays to run plays. They've got a good young coach in Jamal Mosley. Like, they're set up. But, again, franchises like Orlando who wind up having all of these loaded, young, talented rosters, can they become a Memphis? Mm-hmm. Or are they going to become a team where everybody's pecking at them stealing talent because they can't figure out how to properly manage the salary cap or their roster or the lottery or whatever the case may be. All it takes is for Orlando to punt on the wrong guy. And they never, and they never, and they never recover properly. And now these, the issues are going to start to rear their head. Jonathan Isaac is back. 
You only got so many front court minutes. You got yeah. the Wagner brothers. You got Paolo mm-hmm. Bancaro, who you just drafted, number one. You got Bobo. Yeah. yeah. You got Wendell Carter Jr. That's Forget six guys. Yeah. You've got to figure out what you're going to do with T. Ross, who clearly has, like, the mayor to Orlando's, like, I don't know. He's got dirt on somebody because he just can't seem to be moved out of the Magic Kingdom. You've got those seven guards, you know, Greg Anthony's son. You've got RJ uh, uh, RJ Hampton. You've got mm-hmm. Fultz, who you gave a deal to. Yeah. So he's not easily traded because, again, he has to prove that he's healthy. And with what happened to him early in his career, a team has to really want him, even though he is a steady-handed point guard, for him to be moved. You've got uh, – who's the other kid? Oh, my goodness. I'm just going to have to pull up their roster. I know talking about the Magic is not really – but the point is, Orlando is one of those teams with a lot of talent and some things to figure out. But they're not tanking. Mm-hmm. They're being as competitive as they can be, but they're just young. So, yeah. obviously, they're not a threat to – you know. And then you've got Toronto, who now – you spoke of this on the last podcast. Are they holding on to what they have? hoping for things to get better next year? Or are they going to start to panic sell? We don't know because when we looked at their talent, what could they really sell? So they're mm-hmm. in a unique situation because I don't think it in any of their best interest to try and, and compete. If they if they have their draft pick, you might as well see where the lottery leads you to. You got the Wizards. Mm-hmm. And then on the West, you got... Los Angeles and Portland, who are lying to themselves about competing for the playoffs. Uh-huh. You got Oklahoma City, who actually is competing for the playoffs. Uh, we don't know if Sam Presti approved it, but again, they're yeah, one yeah, game we... under 500, and SGA yep. is playing like he could be the most improved player of the year. Well, yeah, he's trying to play for the get into the All Star game because nobody, like you said, they, they Sam losing it. You forget, you can't lose with a guy like that on your team. What, close to leading the league in scoring? I don't think Sam Presley wants them to lose. I just think he figures we need to get into the lottery. So, again, this is the second season of those three seasons we spoke of. Past the All-Star break, if Oklahoma City is still fighting for a playoff spot, I think we're going to start to see, you know, adjustments made to minutes played and, and, and all of those things. You, you've got, you've got uh, um, a young talent in, uh, what's the kid's name, in uh, Holmgren, who's out for the season. But oh, yeah, so the footage, another, yeah. yeah he, he's another version of, of Wimby. So mm-hmm. I don't think any team would be wise to the idea of planning for having Wimby. I don't think you I think you you can anticipate what would happen if you get him, but I think if you plan for him, you'd be failing your franchise. I don't think Sam uh-uh. is that type of guy, so we can move on from that. But um actually getting back to winning basketball. Um I don't know what's up with Boston. They they've taken some hits lately. It hasn't knocked them out of the number one spot in the in the East or having the best record in the league, but They've shown some chinks in the armor. Have you have you noticed some things about them? What's your take on Boston right now? Do you just think they're just having a bad run for the moment? Uh, I think they need a third scorer, consistently third scorer. I don't think any of those guys 
scoring the points they need. Somebody that can take a little bit of pressure off of uh, Tatum and Tatum and Brown. I feel like they, they've allowed those two so much that other guys, when they, they're not really consistently developing a, a rhythm, but also they don't identify who a number three is for me. I just I just don't feel it. Like, now, again, they're going to win a lot of games, but... But who was the third score when they got to the final? Hmm. Or is it because they didn't that, have a third score they lost? I, I really I really feel like that's Boston's problem. They don't have okay. a third score. And they haven't had one because I feel like... Yeah, like 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 okay. When you had the big three, so yeah, Ray Allen. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. But think about it. They don't have any subs, really. Well, who plays their bench? You know what I mean? Like Brogdon. Brogdon, and, and he splits time with Williams. Yeah. You also have you also have uh, what's his nickname? Robert Williams. What what do they call him? The Time Lord. He doesn't what? start. The Robert Williams, his nickname is Time Lord. Never heard of that. I don't know why, where he got, you didn't, what? Google it. I'm just saying. Robert Williams is Time Lord. The Time Lord? Yeah, that's his nickname. I don't know. I I guess I have something to do with the way he. Listen, I wouldn't even mention that if I was you. But, you know, I don't want to give him too much time. Either way. Yeah, I mean, he's not a bad player. No, he's good in the role he is, but I feel like Boston, to me, in order to win consistent playoffs, they're going to need that third player who... Here's the answer. <laughs> the, the former Texas A&M big man... I'm sorry, I have to tell the story because this is hilarious. The former Texas A&M big man overslept and missed his introductory conference call with the media and subsequently missed his fight to Boston. That's oh. why he's called <laughs> the time Because he had no mastery of time. Boy slept through his intro to the Celtics. Wow. All right. What were you saying? I'm sorry. Mm-mm. No, it is what it is. I, I didn't know that. I did not know that. But looking at – no, it's just overall, I think that the – as we talked in the beginning of the season, there's certain teams that jumped out, but then the reality set that injuries are going to happen or just you guys aren't as good as you used to be. So the reality started happening. Got Teams can't – you know, because – you're looking, I'm looking at uh, what you're calling who was one of the top teams. So Middleton is back with the Bucks. Him and Giannis played together for the first time in a long time, I think, last year. Yeah, and, that, and that's that's always gonna they're always gonna be a tough out because of those two. You know, if you look at the top, really the top four teams in the east, they have two 20, 20 to a night scorers. And what did we speak about? What, I mean, if, what did we both say? We said Cleveland was going to level themselves and be at a tier below. Mm-hmm. And yeah, there they are. They're three games behind Brooklyn, who was without Kevin Durant. Shout out to Kyrie and the way he's been playing lately. Exactly. Yeah, I watched your game there. Oh, yo, Kyrie layup pack. Yo, yo, I just he just did a layup it's against immoral. Joe. Yo, it's tomorrow. Yo. It's immoral. You can't. The fact, and you know what? He practices those things. That's what makes it even more frightening. He does them in the game, and you're like, who thinks to do this type of stuff? And it's stuff that he practices. So it goes to show that 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 whole, because I don't want to say Kobe broke the mold, but players in that era of Kobe started 
coming up with these funky practice routines, pregame rituals, like kind of like the one Steph has to practice things that you think don't make sense until you see them do it in games. Mm-hmm. But exactly, I think it's, it's great that Kyrie right now has embraced being the guy for Brooklyn, especially in the face of, you know, the guy who was supposed to help pick up the slack and is just literally like you love to say, collecting checks. You know, one Benjamin mm-hmm. Simmons. <laughs> They're playing the Sixers right now? Mm-hmm. No, so he's... who did he do that layup on? Embiid? Embiid, yeah. He's right against the Embiid. Kyrie's, Kyrie's. I figure out a way to stream the game while I'm on the phone with is you. It, is it on ESPN? It's on ESPN. It's on ESPN, but if I open the app, then I can... Oh, then, yeah, it's a wrap. It's a, it's a wrap. So, it's like a true quarter. Yeah, so... um. I mean, I have ESPN. I just don't. Yeah, my yeah, cable just, box is not even hooked directly to my TV. It's just I use it the clock. No, I get, I get it, I get it, I get it. But I can watch ESPN from my computer, so I'm, I'm queuing it up now. The lighting in Brooklyn's arena is one of the dopest I've ever seen. They, they got that lighting that's kind of like close to the stage, set in that Madison Square Garden gives you mm-hmm. almost like the court is like, you know, the court, the court is the stage. The court is the stage almost. Yeah. And no, I, always, that... I, I thought that I think that that type of staging is dope. I mean, it didn't really look too great when um when they had that record breaking game in San Antonio, but you know, yeah, but it's not for it's not for every yeah. team, you know, in every setting or every city. It, you know, you kind of have to have you gotta have to have certain certain stars and just a certain ambiance for that. There's a yeah, there's an aesthetic that that comes with. With, with that type of setting, but um, I'm queuing yeah. up the uh, the game. I just it's asking uh-huh. me to log into my but cable. Provider. Where do you see? Okay, let me ask you this. Now, obviously, we talked about the trades. Do you th- one? I, oh, we I had I had somebody that wanted to give our quick couple of minutes on. Do you think Phoenix will stay? You think Phoenix is going to be buyers or sellers? Phoenix, before their injuries, they were top four seed, but when all, all those injuries started happening, they dropped down to the seventh. They dropped down even lower, but they mm-hmm. just won four. Their winners are four straight, so they're kind of in that seventh seed. So a lot of teams, I think what this one of the interesting things where a lot of teams are not necessarily giving up on their season is for the fact that this playing game exists because mm-hmm. some teams want to just got a chance to get into the playoffs. So we can't, we can't be a total loss for our organization and some organizations getting to the playoffs could be a confidence booster for those younger players. And, and you could build some camaraderie plus you want to come. Let's chart. Teams. Let's just, let's just chart Phoenix and go with, me keeping the same energy I've had about them. I've told you that that finals loss was the pinnacle of them having CP3 on the roster. Yeah. And it's not to say that, like, our opinion travels so far that there were people who could balk at me and be like, oh, you're bugging. But I don't necessarily think that that sentiment was shared by a lot of people who cover basketball and speak about it. It's not something that I heard. The very next year, what happened? 
Luka Doncic literally eats them for breakfast. Mm-hmm. And what is that? The Western Conference semifinals? Mm-hmm. Because Dallas played Dallas played Golden State in the Western Conference finals. Remember, we couldn't remember that last year. But yeah. it was Dallas and Golden State. Yeah. So they go from finals to semifinals to now we're talking about fighting for the seventh seed. Now, mind you, there's a health concern. Devin Booker's not yeah. healthy. When Devin Booker was healthy, they were one of the top four teams in the West. Not mm-hmm. arguing that, not debating that. Is it possible that through his health improving, they can rise in the standings? Yes. But I'm no longer, and I hadn't been a buyer on them being a Western Conference championship contender anymore. Mm. They had that window where the teams that they were able to get past simply weren't better than them or ready to be better than them yet. Clippers weren't healthy. Memphis wasn't Memphis. Denver still trying to figure it out. They just had one of those windows, kind of like Atlanta to the Eastern Conference Finals, mm-hmm. where it's like you can't throw the dominoes any better. Yeah. You can't have a better night of shooting dice than that run. Those runs often are the fool's goal that makes front offices expose themselves because that's exactly what it did to Atlanta. Atlanta oh, we got an Eastern Conference Finals contender team. No, you don't. You got a team that have played above their head and had a great run. Now you have to look at all the teams that didn't make it and make sure you're actually structurally better than them. Now we're talking about Atlanta trying to figure out what they're going to do with John Collins for like the seventh season in a row. Mm-hmm. Every trade deadline, John Collins might get traded since he's been in Atlanta. Yeah. Phoenix is in no position to punt. We said, I said, you said, them going after DeAndre Ayton was a bad idea. Mm-hmm. When they didn't sign him with their own money, that was the straw that broke the camel's back in that in that, that, that roster. Mm. And it's not to say, it's not to say it's going to be evident or it's ever going to come out for us to know. But I just think there's a level of not buying it. And then that with what they did to Jay Crowder, remember Jay Crowder has not played this whole season. Mm-hmm. He was supposed to get traded so that Cam Johnson could have the starting role. Well, guess what? Cam Johnson got the starting role, but then they trade Jay Crowder. So you didn't, yeah. so you literally don't have an asset because yeah. you didn't go and get one. And then on top of that, all of the, the discourse that's happening with the franchise itself, mm-hmm. you got players who don't really have a front office to follow the lead of or to be held in check or accountable by because all of them people are replaceable. Within weeks of what happened with the sale or the proposed sale, another report comes out from ESPN that other front office execs in the Phoenix Suns front office are misbehaving. And that same exec that they hinted at didn't name to, oh, yeah, they're talking about me, but it's wrong. Well, the fact that, one, you weren't named and you felt like you needed to come out and address it, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Mm-mm-mm. You know, don't, don't, you know, don't blame me for saying I think there might be some blood on your fingernails. Mm-hmm. You know, like you're doing a real, you're doing a real OJ Simpsonist thing right now. Like you're speaking on something that we didn't even ask your opinion on. <laughs> we didn't even know you work for Phoenix. We just knew that there's some guy in the Phoenix front office that was misbehaving. You literally told us your name, your office, your office operating hours, how the article was aimed at you, and bro, you did it. 
You handled that wrong. If you're innocent, my apologies, but you didn't come off innocent with the way you did it. So you have all that going on in Phoenix on top of them trying to win basketball games. You have a player who's basically being held hostage. He wanted to go to Indiana. He wanted to go anywhere but Phoenix, and you brought him back. And the first thing he says on media day is, I haven't spoke to the coach. He's your number one draft pick. Mm-hmm. And you treated him like a trade throw-in. You treated him like a second-round pick and a bag of chips. So uh, you, could, you could try and go get a contract. Mm-hmm. And then at the same time, you gave CP3 another hundred-some-odd million. Mm. Unbelievable. Come on, Phoenix. Come on, Phoenix. I can't take y'all seriously. And that's not to say I have anything against the actual basketball players because I like a lot of the players. But listen, you and I both are Mikel Bridges fans, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we respect yeah, what nice. he's about, the grind, where he mm-hmm. comes from, you know. Yep. Yeah, all of that. All, all of that. All, a lot of the, the things that are off the court, that are, that are outside of basketball. And along with the fact that when he gets on the court, he's one of the better defenders in the league. You know, he hangs his hat on that. And he's an improved three-point shooter. And he's improved every year that he's been in the league. Things like that, those are all commendable. Phoenix has likable players on their roster. I know it's hard to look past CP3 and and find other guys on the team because CP3 is one of those people he's polarizing. People either really love Chris Paul or they don't like him at all. Same goes for Devin Booker. You got poor DeAndre Ayton holding it down for Jamaica being treated like a refugee. Hmm. Look, if Phoenix figures it out and they're able to get themselves back into the upper echelon of the Western Conference, they will make it interesting. Monty Williams is an amazing coach. He somehow gets guys to play the right way and their system prior to Mm -hmm. this year was churning out 50-plus wins. So you have to take into account what they have done and not discredit that. But I don't have them in my championship conversation. Do you? Help. Mm. Do you have them yeah. in your championship conversation? No. Do you have them in your top eight teams in the league conversation? Mm. Mm. Healthy. Oh, no. Just healthy. Yeah. Healthy. Yes. Yeah. Top eight? Yeah. I mean, the so seven now. No, no, no. I'm talking about this eight teams total that we're ranking. Top eight teams in the league. Not the conference. Because the conference easily, they're, they're the seventh seed. So you can't take that away from them. But are they healthy? One of the top eight. They're not one of the top four teams in the West. I don't think healthy. Mm-mm. No, no, no. Listen. Even if they had it. Right now, New Orleans, New Orleans got more real estate in Phoenix than Phoenix does. And they're not mm-hmm. even healthy. So they get mm-hmm. Zion back. And Ingram just came back today. So go ahead, Phoenix. Fight for the fifth seed. Get the fifth uh-huh. seed so that you got to play New Orleans in the first round. And then you can have the, the, the defensive version of CP3 running all up in his shorts. Y'all don't want no problems with Jose Alvarado. Y'all don't want that smoke. Uh-huh. That man made Chris Paul have two eight-second violations in one game. I don't know if I've ever seen Chris Paul have two eight-second violations in his career. He had them in one game. Mm. Alvarado was a different type of agitator. Like, he took the Pat Bev role, and, and you know, he's some boy Latino. Respect <laughs> his grind. Respect yeah, his yeah, grind. Sure. New, Orleans, 
so so again, I don't have. It's, again, I will not take away from what Phoenix has accomplished, but I'm leery of giving them credit and future equity and what's happening now. The league has changed since they lost to Giannis. Everybody mm-hmm. got better. Everybody got better, and I don't see Phoenix as having improved. I don't. You know, Devin Booker didn't transform himself into a first-team all-defense, which is which would have been a major improvement for what he currently is. Cam Johnson, yeah, he's an able-bodied replacement for Jay Crowder, but Jay Crowder brings an le- a element of veteran savvy and clutch three-point shooting that like is priceless. Yeah, I, I don't understand it. Maybe it's just maybe it's just me, but I don't understand when teams have certain players and you lower the trade value of the player by letting them either have conversations on the in the media and stuff like that, or they can't really play. Yeah, I don't understand. Practice. How does it how does it get out that you're willing to trade Jay Crowder because you told him he wasn't starting? Mm-hmm. If that leaked through, you know, parties affiliated with Jay Crowder and you're not trading him and you're just basically punishing him, cool. I get it. Petty stuff like that happens in the NBA behind the scenes all the time. But this is happening on Front Street and you're a team that's literally telling the world or by actions you were telling the world you're trying to compete. You're not trying to mm-hmm. compete when you do that. You, you, you're, what are you? What is it? What is it? You're spiting your face to whatever that old phrase is. But they're doing that. Um, hmm. it looks like Miami is doing it again, man. You count. We counted Miami out like two weeks ago. Like I don't know if they can figure it out. And they're doing that Spolstra thing they do, man. Where come middle of the season, they all of a sudden start winning games that you didn't even know existed. <laughs> they beat Boston too. Hmm. So. I think that that with them having that resurgence, it's going to be tough on your Knicks. And that's mm. why I brought it back there. Because now the Knicks are looking up at Miami, and Miami is kind of, you know, you can't take away their equity. Yeah, I, think, I definitely think the Knicks didn't take advantage of when when they couldn't they couldn't put really put a diff a difference between or a yeah difference Separation. between some of the. T- Separation really between some of the some of the teams that's actually above them now or right in that same because they were losing and you just get, couldn't do the separation. So a team like Miami, like you said, like gets hot and headed the next by a game. Atlanta's a game and a half. Even Indiana, two and a half games. I mean, it's, it's a lot of different things about the the, the East where. I think if the Knicks continue to win, first of all, the Knicks need to be above 500 at home. That is not acceptable. Y'all being under one game under 500 at home and being 14 and 10 on the road, that's kind of crazy. But if the Knicks can continue to win at their current winning percentage of 531, Indiana is not going to be a threat. Indiana is one of those teams where it really is about their schedule as far as if they were able to keep hold. They were winning games here and there that were above their head. You know, they had that that win where Nemhard hits the three against the Lakers. They've had a couple wins like that where those kind mm-hmm. of, like, keep you in the conversation of contending for the playoffs. But I think, again, that, like, Atlanta is really the barometer for the the, the top eight teams. So if, if you're not – if you're not able to keep pace with the Hawks and the Hawks are at 500 – I think that's the cutoff point for for the AC. You're gonna to have to be 500. 
you're going to have to be 500. And it's probably the same for both conferences because right now Utah is at 500 sitting on the AFC in the West. And that's what we were used to. That's what we grew up in in the 90s. Like the team that was the AFC was 41 and 41. You know, you had those type of seasons. And then every now and then you'll have a season where a team is like 38 and, and, and you know, 40 plus losses mm-hmm. and they sneak into the AFC. But now the way the, the way the, the league is constructed and the way the talent is spread out, 500 to make that seventh and eighth seed, that, that, that sounds about right. I think the Knicks right now, I think they'll be able to stay above 500 if they stay healthy. But the reason why I bring them back up is, do you feel like there's a move for them to make or a move that they should consider making? Is, is there something the Knicks can do that raises them? Or do they just stand pat with all of the assets that they have and just see how the, the season plays out. It's only year one of the Jalen Bronson contract. Did I lose you? See, Grant, did I lose you? Mm, just a little bit. I won't cut out just a little bit. So what I'm asking is, do you think that the Knicks, do you think the Knicks should stand pat with the roster as currently constructed, or do you think there's a move for them to make? Or do they just, uh, you know... Well, they got Mitchell Robinson. Mitchell Robinson is out for, I believe, a couple of weeks with his with his hand, and that's their. their, Yeah, he's got surgery on, I think, one on his hand. Um, So by doing that, he's so by doing that, and he's there. You know, he's their starting center. Yeah. So defensively, they need that. I really, I just don't know who they give up. Now, again, they were talking about giving up Cam Reddish. I mean, see, another thing with the Knicks, Cam Reddish doesn't play. So no, but like so but he has up. value. Oh, he, he certainly has does. value. He has value. So you're giving him up like to a this. team. You're just trying to look to see who has a return. But my thing is, I don't so understand why the Knicks don't use him. Like you, you can have a need for him. He, he's a good enough player. Plus, you again, I get it. I get it. You might not want to pay him next year, but why are you keeping him on the bench not to see what you really have? I mean, if, I mean that doesn't make sense. If you didn't want to pay him next year, you don't bring him into the camp. I get it. You know I... his cap number next year, or you know his, his contract status, you move him. That's an asset. Right now, what we're looking at is Cam Reddish and Derrick Rose for somebody. Mm-hmm. And I think if the Knicks can get a player who's going to solidify them, because I don't think you add another big just because you lost Mitchell Robinson. I think that's I think that's a panic sale. If you go out and get a big while you have a big healing, you create a problem. And most teams don't recover from having too many starting bigs. Just ask Minnesota. But I I, I don't know because I mean I think they could go out and get like RJ a, Barrett. You're, the, you're, I think the Knicks in, could go get like a, a Serge Ibaka. You know, Serge Ibaka, you you can that's a one for one. He's got to be on like a minimum veteran, like that's what I'm, I'm trying to think. Million annual, annual yeah, because deal. I mean, but I don't see the Knicks getting any. But he's currently on Milwaukee. Yeah, right. But I think he's in Milwaukee's doghouse. He's not playing much, so you just go ahead and grab him real quick for something cheap, and maybe, I mean, again, I don't know what you have numbers wise that's low enough for you to go ahead and um, pull the trigger and get somebody like that. That's going to be, you know, just a temporary thing. I just, I just don't know. So it, 
I guess I guess if I'm the Knicks, you, you might entertain something, but I don't know how serious that is. Yeah, you're right. Ibaka and the, and the Bucks agreed to pursue trades five days ago. Mm-hmm. Were you aware of that when you said he was in the doghouse, or you were just like, yeah. to the well, no, well, well, two things. I saw the Bucks on TV a couple times, and he wasn't even like remotely close to playing. You know how they sometimes these guys on the sidelines and they mm-hmm. look they look engaged because you're like, oh yeah, this guy about to get in. This guy didn't look, yeah, he looked like he was better off doing some his uh his food show. He's like, man, I could I could have been taping a show instead of playing. So, yeah. So that's when it when I heard show that. Show his salary number. Um, I'm gonna go to Spot Track because that's the President Serge Ibaka contract. Um, because I definitely want to do this. This is this is a fun exercise before we wrap it up to see. So he signed a one year, two point nine million dollar, one year, three million dollar deal. Um, Cam Reddish spot track. Are you trying to compare the two? Cam Reddish is on a four year, twenty million dollar deal that. Expires at the end. He's on expiring contract. Yeah. Yeah. You, um, if you, yeah, that's a good call, Seagram. Because his qualifying offer is 8 million. The Knicks ain't doing that with a salary uh-uh. cap hold of, of 17 million because of his last deal being worth 20. Um, uh-uh. So he's on a $6 million salary, not seeing anything close to playing time on the Knicks. Who else do the Bucks have to give? The Bucks have to give you another player because those salary range is too far apart. It's three versus six. Mm. I think you have to be within. Uh, I forgot what the percentage. Uh, yeah, it's like yeah, I forgot. But I'm just I'm I don't know. Maybe you know maybe Derrick Rose. Like, you, well, no, Derrick Rose. No, no, Derrick Rose. Yeah, so the maybe Bucks go, have to do some maybe see deal. what um the Grayson Allen kid is is going to do. Nah, Grayson's thing. Grayson's rotation. He's out on vacation. I'm just saying. I don't. I don't know. I mean, again, I think in the Knicks situation, they're kind of in a rock and a hard place. Like, yes, you might want to get rid of certain guys, but it's got to make sense. You know, I don't know. I don't see any guy whose trade value is high enough, or the Knicks are low enough that can get somebody that can step in and help in return because you have. Um, like you said, Cam Reddish, who who was low in the doghouse, but you know, if you said he's what eight million dollars, what team's got an eight million dollar player to trade? You know that that becomes a thing. So I, I really don't know. I mean, I I want to see the Knicks do something, but I just feel like the roster you got is is not really that oh, bad. Okay, so if the Knicks were to trade out Cam. He couldn't go to the Bucks because the Bucks are over the cap. Oh well, scratch that the idea. Bucks have the Bucks would have to move. I'm looking on their roster because it's heavy. It's very top heavy. You got Giannis at 42, mm-hmm. Middleton at 38, and Jay Holiday at just about 34 million. With Brooke making 14, 
and Bobby Portis making 11. So you got a big bulk of your salary tied up into five guys you're not going to trade. Grayson Allen is actually on an almost $9 million deal. Mm. You definitely can't. So you move him out. Maybe you give him – maybe y'all get Joe Ingles. Mm-hmm. Well, Joe Ingles, is he playing? Is he What is he doing? Yeah, he just came back. Oh, he did come back. Okay, I wasn't too sure. See, that's what I mean. It, it's so much going on. Yeah, y'all could get y'all could take Ingles and Ibaka because that's eight million, uh-huh. and give Cam Reddish at six, and because of y'all cap, hmm. y'all would be fine. Y'all would be adding to y'all cap, but again, I don't think that pushes the needles. Push the needle on the Knicks. That makes y'all a tougher six seed than y'all were two days ago. Well, that's what I mean. I, I really don't, that's and that's what I'm where they're at. I don't see a, a Knicks trade that moves the needle to the point where, oh wow, they're fight. Do you know what they're fighting for a uh, top four seed? Like, no. That's, if I don't, you if you move Ibaka for the Knicks to benefit, y'all need Ibaka and Grayson Allen. For Derrick Rose, who's fourteen million, y'all need that type of deal. Where y'all getting cap relief on a player who's not playing, and y'all mm-hmm. getting back a player who is, and y'all getting back multiple players who are going to play, because what Ibaka gives you is that priceless playoff experience that can exactly. the series. So I, mm-hmm. I can see that type of trade. Now, obviously, we're just speculating using Milwaukee. It's a number of different, you know, player options out there. But I definitely feel like the Knicks, from a long-term perspective, probably benefit most from standing pat. Hmm. But I also am concerned that unless they have guys that they plan on bringing in to replace the salary, because I don't think Derrick Rose plays for the Knicks again next year. If he finishes Mm -hmm. the end of the season at the current current pace he's at or the current place he's in, with the team in the rotation, where he's not even, what, the 11th man? Ain't nothing. So, you know, he's street clothes. So, with, with yeah. that being said, you get $14 million off the books. That allows you to bring in somebody. So, yeah, you, you, you do it that way. You, you, you improve organically because the Knicks are over. Yeah, I, I, really, I really don't see. I really don't see it. Don't see yeah. how they would do it. But I, I definitely think that, you know, the Knicks do have a quality roster, but they, like like we spoke to since the beginning of the season, they don't have that one guy that you can hang the franchise hat on. And you don't necessarily need that because, again, I said this when y'all didn't get Donovan Mitchell. In the beginning, I looked wrong, didn't I? Like, oh, Donovan Mitchell, uh-huh. 71 points, and the Cavs are now a top four team in the East and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, they right there in the fourth and fifth seed. Where was they last year? Right in the fourth and fifth seed. Some people got hurt and they slid to the sixth and seventh. Uh huh. And what did they do? They traded out all that draft equity for Donovan Mitchell. So yeah, he can improve your team in some ways, but actually elevate y'all. I, I think now people are realizing how out of his mind defensively Rudy Gobert was playing when he was in Utah. Now it's going to be appreciated because everybody talks about how he got exposed in the playoffs and it wasn't his fault for me. It was, it was how Utah chose to deploy their team 
that that made it look like he was the problem. You have him as the backstop, and then you have a whole bunch of guys who can't guard anybody, and he's supposed to protect the rim and rotate out. He's seven foot three, and he's not the fastest foot guy. That's not what he was doing in the regular season. So if you don't have guys that can stay in front of their guy, of course he's going to get exposed. So y'all put all the blame on him when literally y'all can't play defense. Yeah. And, and I think that's kind of what's happening with Cleveland because it's not like Donovan Mitchell is all of a sudden going to improve defensively. He does play hard. I don't uh-huh. want to take that away from him. But you've got Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland at the head of your snake defensively at the point uh-huh. of attack. Those two guys are not defensive savants. That's almost literally a duplication of having um, Mike Conley. You know, uh-huh. Mike Conley's a savvy point guard who he, he knows how to play the position, but he's not a defensive stopper. Uh-uh. So, yeah. Um, I mean, the same could be said about the Knicks, too. But the Knicks have managed to develop a winning style of basketball. Yeah. It's got them in a position where – you know, the playoffs look like it's a definite. So I definitely want to see how that plays out, but I definitely would like to see them, I don't know, be more of a threat than what they currently are. It's almost like you acknowledge the Knicks, but you, you can't really truly be afraid of them. Can you? No, people in the, people in the top four seeds, I'm looking at like, um, all right. The top. Well, I mean, right now they're the sixth seed, right? So that means mm. that they would they would have to, they would have to, Look at Milwaukee's boots for four games. If the playoffs started, they they would be looking at Milwaukee boots, correct? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's not that ain't gonna work. I mean, okay, so they improve. They get to the fifth seed. Then what? They got to play Cleveland. Uh, I mean, I like their chances against. I Cleveland, favor. I, I favor them against then, Cleveland a lot more than the yeah than, than Milwaukee. But then, what's your reward? You get Boston in the second round. At least you can get out the first round. Okay. You got to, you got to, you got to, you have to have some type of, you know, like, ah, we did something. All right. So before we wrap this up, give me three guys that you think get moved during this trade, during this trade week. Not week, but, you know, during this trade period. Hmm. Give Give me three guys that you think could get moved or you wouldn't be surprised. If if they they were to change teams, okay. Let me if say one. I'll throw some. I'll throw some teams out there, and you can let me know. Well, I was going to say. I was play. going to say someone from the Raptors, whether it be Gary, Fred Van Fleet, uh, OG OG, or mm-hmm. or maybe even Siakam. But those four, uh, I feel like one of them is going to be gone. Mm. Then, Do you think D'Angelo Russell finishes the season as a Timberwolves? That's when you said that. I was, I was, I was thinking about him, and um, I, but I don't even know who wants him. Like I feel like what he wasted years there. Like I felt like when he was in Brooklyn, uh, he signed he was, that he, deal with Golden State so that he would have a yes. number. The mm-hmm. warrant, his All Star status, leaving Brooklyn. Yes. And he but, wanted to play with Cat, so that's why he came to Minnesota. Like that no, was Cat totally, pushed to have him there. Yeah, I could I could understand you want to play with your friends. That doesn't necessarily mean it's best for you to play with your friends. Because mm-hmm. I feel like it, I feel like this time in Minnesota, I feel like it stunted his growth. Like for something about like again, I just feel like he's a totally different player. 
Maybe this is the player he was supposed to always be, but I always feel like he's got another gear, but he just doesn't feel like going to it. Because he's like, I, I feel like I feel like he got declawed when they drafted Ant Man. And it's hard to you you can't retilt the offense back. You give him so much of the the media, the the you know, the fanfare. You you can't take that back and make it a more equal opportunity offense. For Minnesota to have reached their potential, to have mm-hmm. three dangerous scorers, what does yeah. Golden State teach us? You need a system that allows everybody on the floor to be a threat so that those three scorers can flourish. Mm-hmm. Minnesota just be out there running plays, bro, and they be like simple sets, like, all right, I'm going to come down the court, you know, set a screen, and then, you know, Cat is going to pop out for a three. If the big doesn't retreat the Cat, then I can you know, force a play. And then if that doesn't work, we're going to swing it to the weak side where Anthony Edwards can do a couple of his camp moves and go into a step back three or drop to the basket if the defender falls for it. Offense. Yeah, it's not going to work. Whereas Golden State is running pin downs and, you know, curls and all these other things. When you have though that level of star power, and this has been a problem with Minnesota because remember, they've had three-headed monsters for multiple instances. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, whoever the, 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 the front office – anyway, who's the third third team that you feel like could win? I think Detroit is going to wind up giving Yeah, they out got Bogdanovich, so they got to figure out something to do with him because, yeah. He's yeah, old. I don't see – I don't see San – because San Antonio has kind of like already moved out all of the contracts that they wanted to get rid of to ensure that they would be where they're at. You know, so they uh-huh. set Deion, they set DeJounte Murray free earlier. Um, they're big on Keldon Johnson and Devin Vassell. I don't see those two guys going anywhere. Everybody uh-huh. else on their team is pretty much, you know, like under the salary cap, not a threat to really do anything except what maybe Josh Richardson. But Josh Richardson has historically proven on every contender that you put him on that he doesn't push the needle. He didn't do it in Dallas. He didn't do it in Philly. So I, I can't see a team going out and reaching for him and feeling like, yeah, we have to get him. I don't think Portland is going to bail. I don't think I don't think Dame Lillard allows that. So I think your picks are, are very astute. Maybe Washington, but Washington's already made one trade. So I don't know who else they they would punt on to 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 further what ensure that they have cap space for Kuzma. I don't know what their motivation would be to you know to move mm-hmm. a player, and I don't I know really what know. player that they have that a team is going to be so envious of that they feel like they have to have. I don't know what Washington has over there that, like, you know, a team is going to be like, oh, we get that guy. That, that guy is going to push us over the top. So, yeah, um, I'm, I'm absolutely in, in agreement that I can see Toronto, I can see Detroit, and I can see Minnesota being players in gifting one of these contenders somebody who might swing a series because Bogdanovich will sing, swing a series. Yeah, he facts. will swing a series. Um, Big facts. I say D'Angelo Russell can't swing a series, but I don't see a team contending asking for his services because of the type of player he is. He's ball dominant, mm-hmm. and and that you know a lot of these teams that are already winning, it's like, oh well, we didn't swing for you so that you could take over our offense when we were already winning without you. That would be a Minnesota move. And he's already on a team that does that, so mm. it's going to be interesting. And then, like you, like you said, we spoke to Detroit, Toronto. Uh, again, it's fifty-fifty. I feel like their unity and that culture that they have there 
they might just be comfortable with letting things ride out. But, you know, Masai is one of those people who likes to get himself involved in opportunities. And I think if he can get himself into a position where maybe they, I don't know, can get something that allows him to get closer to a pick that he's eyeballing. Because, you know, he's got like illegal, not illegal, but he's got connections to players that he's Mm -hmm. seen that we don't know about. And he might be angling to get a draft pick that allows him to get somebody that we weren't prepared to see become a star or a good player. Because to be honest with you, we all watched OG Ananobi in Indiana, but nobody thought that, you know, he would be the, the quality of player he's developing to. We damn sure didn't know about um, Boucher. I damn sure didn't know that, even though I watched Van Vliet when he played for, what was it? Was it Wichita State? Or, or something like that, that he played for the college that he played for. He was a great player there, but I didn't know that he was going to come to the NBA and be what he's become. And mm-hmm. the same thing with, um, with, 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 um, oh my God, I don't want to say his name wrong. Siaka. A, oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. So he, he's found a lot of hidden gems and put them all in one route. Even Scotty Barnes. I thought Scotty Barnes was good, but I know he was going to be, you know, rookie of the year good when he, when he had the season he did last year. So, he he's got he's got the ability to find diamonds in places that we we're not necessarily looking. He does get himself involved in that market if he feels like it's time to go get an asset. Toronto will do that. You know he's got championship equity and the fans believe and trust in, in in what they got going there. So yeah, maybe they do make a move. So Toronto, Detroit, uh-huh. who, who was the third team? Who said Minnesota? Those, those are the guys that I see making moves. Yeah. Maybe Utah. But Utah is kind of like a fringe, you know, they're right on the edge of the playoffs. And mm-hmm. Maybe Charlotte, but I don't know who's on Charlotte's, Charlotte's roster that I would consider. So, right, Charlotte's yeah. assets are so in flux. Miles just took his plea deal, and the the we don't mm-hmm. know what the what the Hornets are going to do with that. Are they going to bring him yeah. back? Are they going to allow him to you know go look for a new destination? Maybe you put him into the market by signing and trading him to a team that, you know, will take on that problem or will take on the baggage that comes with, you know, what he pledged mm-hmm. no contest to, maybe that's but how also, they get themselves an even asset. But also, even if they do that, you have to look at your record and say, okay, are we so far getting him won't really help us this year, so we'll just wait, you know? Well, here's the thing. The the return on a, on a Miles Bridges is low, because he's on a, he's going to get signed to a qualifying offer, or he signed a question. He signed a qualifying offer, so he could be matched. But that qualifying offer can also be his deal. So he knows that his stock, and he's not going to get paid. So you take a one-year deal for, you know, an affordable amount, and then that's outgoing. And again, with the way the trade rules work, he goes to a contender who – they have that spot available to slide him in, and maybe that gives Charlotte another draft pick. Because you know Charlotte is not a tax paying team, so you take. No, the draft I just pick. don't know. I just don't know. They're, they're so far down that it's like, does that even? Well, here's the thing: their record alone is going to allow them a better chance at Wimby than anything else. The whole point is, if they don't plan on bringing Miles Bridges back, you want to at least get something for him. So since you have him to that qualifying offer, he can't go anywhere without your permission. So you're going to get an asset back. It's just a matter of how much of an asset can you leverage for it. And you don't leverage for a player. I don't think you leverage for a player when you're Charlotte and you don't want to pay the luxury tax. You, you probably try and take on a team's pick. You take a team's first-round pick with the right to swap with, you know, no lottery protection. Because Miles Bridges was a lottery pick. 
Mm-hmm. You're not going to get a lottery pick level pick back from him, but you can probably get a pick that's unprotected to give you a chance to get that. So yeah, it's very unsaid. But it's anybody on their slow. active roster who's playing, I don't see. I mean, maybe you ask for a Terry Rozier because he can swing the series. You know, he's that erratic, and he played very well when he was in Boston. I don't know. Uh, they re-signed Hayward, but I don't. Does Hayward even play? I haven't been watching much Charlotte to know, so I can't really speak on it. Charlotte could get themselves involved, but because they're already so close to the worst record in the league, I don't really see motivation to do it, other than to, like I said, alleviate themselves from salary cap pressure. But we'll revisit this on our next episode. As always, I'd like to say thank you to our supporters, listeners, and subscribers. If you'd like to join us, you can do so by following us on any of the podcasting platforms that we are hosted on. Please support, leave your feedback, if you want to contact us directly, you can do so at viewsfromtheclutch at gmail.com. Tag us on social media at viewsfromtheclutch on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. And on that note, we'll say peace. Peace.